This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 193 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. The COVID-19 global pandemic has predictably attracted bad actors intent on using fear and uncertainty as a framework for a variety of actions, from run-of-the-mill money scams to targeted phishing, business email compromise, and even espionage. Recorded Future's Insect Research Group has been following these money trails and correlating them with a spectrum of bad actors around the globe. They recently published their findings in a blog post titled Follow the Money, Qualifying Opportunism Behind Cyber Attacks During the COVID-19 Pandemic. On today's episode, we've got a pair of Insect Group researchers joining us to share their expertise. Lindsay Kay is Director of Operational Outcomes for the Insect Group at Recorded Future, and Charity Wright is a Cyber Threat Intelligence Analyst. Stay with us. I am Lindsay Kay, and I'm Director of Operational Outcomes at Recorded Future in Insect Group. So our team is primarily responsible for developing a lot of the technical detections that uh, go into the product. So things like the R rules, the Sigma rules, doing also malware analysis and network analysis. And besides kind of running the team, what I do is a lot of malware analysis and some software. All right. And Charity, how about you? I'm an expert cyber threat intelligence analyst within Insect Group. Um, on a day-to-day basis, I'd say I specialize in really analyzing various cyber threats, but I focus a lot on uh, Chinese threats and disinformation. All right. Well, today we're talking about the research that you all recently published. This is Follow the Money, Qualifying Opportunism Behind Cyber Attacks During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Lindsay, let me start with you. What prompted the creation of this report? So in looking back at the last I believe, nine or 10 months of the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the things that we wanted to understand really how has opportunism uh, on behalf of, you know, cyber criminals and nation state threat actors really shown itself in the cyber attacks and cyber incidents that we're seeing. So in order to understand this, what we wanted to do is look at the larger socioeconomic climate behind it and see how did threat actors take advantage of different aspects of the pandemic? Because as you know, it really has evolved over the last 10 months. Um, in how they targeted victims, what kinds of attacks were going on, and generally what sort of the themes of a lot of the phishing alerts that we identified were, and see how that all related. Well, let's go through it together. I mean, you've got some really interesting insights here. Is it useful to go through kind of in a timeline sort of way from the, the outset of the pandemic itself? And I think this is something that I don't know if you've checked out some of the domains uh, that we looked at, but I think that the domain registrations really kind of speak to a lot of what you're getting at, Hmm. where there were different occurrences and then you sort of see upticks in different domains around different themes. So we could talk about that if you'd like. Yeah, that's a good place to start. I mean, what what are you all tracking here in terms of domain registrations and, and what sort of insights does that provide you with? So Recorded Future looked at all the domain registrations that had to do with COVID-19 and the COVID pandemic. And one of the things that we wanted to understand was, were these domains being registered under any particular themes? So what we did was we looked at cleaning related domains, economic um, ones around PPE. So things like masks and others or protective equipment, uh, the vaccine and testing, just to kind of see, have we seen any upticks at any point in the pandemic? Like, that would potentially relate to some of the 
different sort of phases we were in. And one of the things that we noticed that was really interesting is, you know, as expected in March, when there was a whole kind of shortage of information, people were scrambling to figure out what is COVID-19, what are the risks, what what is going on, how is government responding, what should I do? Um, there was the largest amount of registrations of all domains. But interestingly, we saw a couple different spikes over the course of time in a couple areas. So first related to uh, some of the vaccine. Hmm. So around August, when some of the different vaccine candidates were going to some of their phase three trials or trials were completing, and there was a lot of news there, we saw a second bump of vaccine-themed registrations. And then starting in October, and when you probably remember, there was a lot of discussion of, at least in the U.S., and I believe some in the U.K., of the approval of these vaccines now that a lot of these trials are wrapping up, we saw a large increase from October through December, which really kind of does match with a lot of the timeline. So not all of these domains are malicious by any means, um, but it is interesting to kind of see how the latest themes of the pandemic really play out in some of what we see people registering. And for sure, some of these are, you know, legitimate sites of people registering vaccine related domains for COVID. But um, it's particularly interesting to look at some of the maliciously verdicted ones where we see a you know smaller but still uh, increase from in those time frames. And what sort of insights can you gain from the types of domains that were being registered and, and you know, what these, what these actors are up to? What sort, of, uh, what sort of conclusions can you come to based on what you, the information you gathered here? So predominantly during the pandemic um, for cybertechs, we've seen a lot of phishing occur. And this is something you probably remember from sort of the beginning of the pandemic when people were looking for information. So different kind of phishing alerts purporting to be from different package delivery companies or what is the government doing? Click here to find out or what is my company doing about the pandemic? So while it's hard to tell how all of these uh, domains were used to some degree, uh, you could definitely see how a lot of them could be used for phishing campaigns. So, you know, click here to find out about the vaccine or as part of different scams. Um, We did observe scams from cyber criminal threat actors around you know, get on the early access list for the vaccine or pay this money or provide your personal information, things around um, mask delivery scams from earlier in the pandemic when there were shortages and things like that. Predominantly, I would suggest that these would be used for phishing. Charity, I, I'm interested in your insight uh, from the point of view of of being able to um, unpack who the various actors were here. I mean, we've got, you know, there are always those scammers who are chasing the latest news and will wrap their scams around things that are top of mind for people. And so I don't think it's surprising uh, to see them chase after something like the pandemic. But at the same time, there were other things going on here, right? I mean, there was there was espionage. There were nation state actors. Absolutely. You know, one of the one of the interesting findings in this report is that so many different types of threat actors are trying to take advantage of this pandemic. It's very unfortunate. But one of the things we observed was not just criminals, but also state-sponsored threat actors. So various nations kind of battling it out for an economic advantage um, in the distribution supply chain. And when it comes to vaccines, who's going to release the vaccine first? Um, But also we saw an interesting factor where certain nation states were trying to save face, you know, around the globe, just in front of a global audience. Each government, each government's leader wanted to 
appear to be the most competent. So that's really the core motivations that we observe from the state-sponsored threat actors. What about disinformation? I mean, how did that come into play? There's certainly been that, that's been, there's been a lot of news stories about that in the past couple of years as well. Right. Disinformation actually played a huge role in gaining advantage during this pandemic, especially throughout 2020. Um, we observed China and Russia both using it uh, for their own objectives, including, um, you know, spreading rumors about certain vaccines in other countries. For example, Russia was spreading a rumor that um, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine was actually derived from monkey DNA. So they were spreading rumors that humans that receive this vaccine would turn into monkeys. As bizarre as that sounds, uh, that narrative was actually disseminated around the world and started uh, catching the eye of a lot of conspiracy theorists, which is very interesting. Um, but mm. there are so many different examples of how disinformation was used to manipulate societies and manipulate, let's just say, you know, the ignorance of a lot of people that don't know the truth about the vaccine, about how COVID is spread, and about how people can um, actually protect themselves from COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, it, it strikes me that when you talk about something like, you know, that the monkey story, which uh, all of us, you know, would, would laugh and roll our eyes at, but it seems to me like that even something that absurd chips away at people's feelings of trust. It, it injects a, just a little bit of doubt in their minds. Absolutely. What they're doing is they're really playing on the fear that people have all over the world. People are scared of this virus. You know, at the beginning, nobody knew where it came from, how it was spreading, and how to protect themselves from it. So threat actors jumped in immediately to exploit that fear and start spreading these various rumors that just created confusion and chaos. And in a lot of these instances, that was their goal, is to um, spread the fear, spread the chaos, and then they come in with their own solution and say, oh, here, we have the answer. We have the vaccine that you need the most. And they try to gain an advantage over their adversaries um, and competitors that way. Lindsay, I'm curious, did you track any sort of maturation over the course of, of the past several months, you know, coming up on almost a year now? Was, did the sophistication of, of these attempts uh, grow? Were, were they able to to learn from what worked and what didn't along the way? So we didn't really necessarily observe any sort of maturation, but we observed trends in kind of what the interest of different adversaries were. So hmm. kind of in the beginning, like Charity alluded to, there was sort of that information aspect. And then you saw many, many different threat actors, even some more kind of novice types, dropping a whole different kind of you know, commodity malware and tools that are you can get on the internet, um, as well as sort of the nation state actors. So really the landscape was just, cluttered is the wrong word, but there were so many different threat actors involved, even you know some of the more novice criminal actors who kind of saw this as an opportunity, right? Like Charity had said, there were so many people who were just like, what is this? Where did it originate from? Who were hungry for information? That people really capitalized on a lot of that. And then we started to see um, some of the more sophisticated threat actors. So the state-sponsored ones, 
trying to get information about vaccine development from some of the vaccine development uh, companies. And then we sort of saw that shift once, you know, as the vaccine started rolling out, looking to target some of the different aspects of the supply chain. So some of the kind of cold chain, um, and this is something that potentially can keep evolving. So as distribution rolls out, um, it will be interesting to see how they continue to target some of this delivery mechanism. And and so where do we stand right now? I mean, we're we're in the midst of folks being vaccinated, as you say. That rollout is underway. Um, is there is there light at the end of this particular tunnel, or or have these methods gone on unabated? So most recently, um, as you said, the vaccines are rolling out. Now we're seeing threat actors targeting the public, in addition to corporations. With the idea of if you put your name, if you pay money, you can put your name on this vaccine list. So there probably is a light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, while some scams and um, different sort of cyber attack themes really are we see dwindling. Now we're seeing new ones emerge. And we've seen that throughout the pandemic and watch how it's changed. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel for some types of uh, cyber tech themes, but new ones will emerge. And this is probably something that will keep happening as the pandemic wears on and changes. Absolutely. I have to agree with Lindsay on that. I think uh, it will evolve and we kind of have to evolve with the pandemic. As uh, new strains of COVID-19 are discovered, there may be new vaccines that come out and we have to look at what has happened in the past and then use that history to kind of protect ourselves and organizations from these types of criminal attacks. So well put, Charity. So what are your recommendations then? I mean, for for organizations and and individuals who are looking to best protect themselves against these sorts of things, uh, what do you recommend? What are the takeaways? So from a technical perspective, recognizing that phishing is an ever popular initial access vector. So just being cognizant of we've seen threat actors use different kinds of phishing lures to deliver malware. We've seen them target different sort of remote technologies. So just being cognizant that this is something that will likely not change. So being cognizant, letting your employees know that this is something that will continue on. And especially as the pandemic themes change, you know, what is kind of the most current and relevant issue of the time? And just being cognizant of that. You know, for protecting ourselves against disinformation and false information that may be out there, it's really important for people to go straight to trusted scientific sources and public health official sources for information. Um, we found that you know nearly 40% of misleading statements are in social media. So when you're seeing, let's say, news or rumors uh, travel around social media, be sure to question the authenticity of the information and always look to see what the source is. And if you have questions about the vaccine or the spread of COVID-19 or anything around this pandemic, definitely go to official sources for your information. Yeah, it's good to have uh, those skeptical thinking tools uh, at your disposal to be able to uh, discern whether or not a a source is is, uh, likely to be good or not. Absolutely. Our thanks to Lindsay Kay and Charity Wright from Recorded Futures Insect Group for joining us. You can find more about this topic and the Insect Group's research by checking out the blog section on the Recorded Future website. 
Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.